I'm Jared, and welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then have a seat with an open mind and a full cup as I examine reality through the blurry lens of my own individual perspective. Have a sip while I talk about confidence in ignorance. They say the more you learn, the wiser that you become. Or so we think. You see, Steeps, there's actually a psychological phenomenon commonly referred to as the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I want to talk to you about on today's podcast, that actually leads to an inflated sense of confidence and self-assessment of their own abilities given limited knowledge in a given field, discipline, or area of study. And what makes it so intriguing to look into is because we all want to learn knowledge and gain skill in some particular field or discipline, whether that be the arts, mathematics, science, literature, you name it. And what's scary about this effect that's hypothesized is that it's a psychological phenomenon that any individual, any human being could potentially be vulnerable to because all it takes, Steeps, is learning just the right amount of knowledge to exhibit levels of overconfidence, to exhibit levels of inflated self-assessment of skills. And I'll talk through the effect in its hypothesized nature on today's podcast, but Not only am I going to go into studies supporting the Dunning-Kruger effect, but I also want to look at a study that tries to disprove the Dunning-Kruger effect and then kind of tie things back up at the end of the episode that really suggests why or why not this is a thing and why we should try to avoid it if it does indeed exist. Essentially, the story and the narrative I want to craft for you today is why is ignorance so dangerous? Why is having overconfidence so dangerous? Why is refusing to acknowledge what you don't know and put trust and faith in others who have learned more than you and have more experience than you, why is that dangerous? And that's really the topic that I want to explore with the Stunning-Kruger effect on today's podcast is looking at from some different lenses, some different perspectives as I always try to do, and really just illustrate what it is all about and what it really means for society and individuals. Because I think that this is actually a topic I've been wanting to talk about for quite some time. It's something that's very near and dear to my heart from a psychological perspective and even kind of a sociological perspective. Because if you look at the broader society we live in today, we live in the era of the internet where information is at our fingertips. We are smarter than ever, right? air quotes, because <laughs> we have more knowledge and information that is valid, true, peer-reviewed at our fingertips than we ever had before. The internet only gets larger with each passing year. Consequently, however, the problem is that as time goes on and the level of valid scientific information increases, so does the amount of misinformation, this heaping dump of misinformation that we see propagating throughout society thanks to the internet and people who are very impressionable that they tend to fall for this clickbait they tend to fall into these traps of reading into this misinformation 
and they may end up thinking that they actually know more than they do on the subject without really getting their knees deep into it. So again, as I've stated the hypothesis at the top of the episode, it only takes a little bit of knowledge to give someone the impression that they know more than they actually do. And that's what I really want to lead off with here on the first reference that I want to go into for today's episode. This study is called Overconfidence Among Beginners. Is a little learning a dangerous thing? And I quote in the study, it says, Overconfidence occurs when one overestimates the chance that one's judgments are accurate or that one's decisions are correct. So what this study encapsulates is this whole Dunning-Kruger effect phenomenon. Essentially, beginners tend to make more errors and exude overconfidence when compared to more experienced counterparts. These beginners, they don't understand how unskilled they are, which is the crux of the issue here. The inability to recognize one's own incompetence drives the inflated self-assessment of skill. This herein is the definition of the Dunning-Kruger effect, which was first described in a 1999 study by David Dunning and Justin Kruger. It really is founded on the psychological phenomena that is known as metacognition. So metacognition is the awareness of one's own thoughts and thinking capacity and their own mind. It's basically, if you know what the prefix meta means, it's like to be within and cognition, one's thoughts and in, in thinking. So metacognition includes the ability to assess your own skills, to assess your own mental capacity, your own knowledge, and to have that understanding of where you actually are as a human being and how much you actually know and being able to kind of read between the lines and, and assess, okay, how much do I really know? How much do I not know? What skills do I have? What am I good at? That all falls into this category that's very broad known as metacognition. And the Dunning and Kruger effect is really a critical phenomena that is within metacognition that literally states that in principle, if somebody has no knowledge or skill in a particular field or discipline, they feel very unconfident and they feel very uneasy with the topic. Like if you have never once picked up a book about quantum physics, right? Let's just make that the example because quantum physics is notoriously difficult and there's very few experts in the field for a very good reason. If you don't know anything about quantum physics, you're going to be very nervous. You're not going to have any confidence whatsoever. You're you're going to be scared. You're going to want to run away from it. And you're going to like like you haven't even had the opportunity to make errors. You don't know what you don't know because obviously you don't know anything. So to you, you like everything is unknown, right? Like that's essentially what it means when you're going into something without having any knowledge whatsoever. On the flip side, if you are an expert, you've had the knowledge, you've acquired it over time, you've done many trials, you've had numerous experiences, you have a whole stockpile of this in your brain, in your mind, and therefore you have a pretty good ability to assess your own abilities. You are confident where you're at, you know what you know, You have a really good understanding of what you don't know and 
you were able to accurately assess yourself in comparison to your peers, your fellow experts, and and what you're again, what you're good at, what you're not good at, where you stand, and you can make an accurate case for what you truly understand and your abilities. Where the Dunning-Kruger effect comes into play is those individuals that they learn a little bit, whether that is accurate or not, and now because they have this breadcrumb, they start to extrapolate that they know more than they actually do. So if you learn one quantum physical phenomena and nothing else, but it's basic and easy to understand, it's easy for somebody to start extrapolating this and, and say that, okay, well, surely it's simpler than all these scientists and experts are making out to be. Like, everything is just a waveform. Every, everything's just energy. When, you know, it, there's more complexity to that. And I, I really do want to illustrate that as well, that, that sometimes you see individuals who don't learn a lot about a subject, they learn very little, and then they start to pass themselves off as experts because they make up their own science, essentially. They, they make up their own principles and concepts based on a very basic and limited understanding of this phenomena and of this field. And as a result, they make a ton of errors. They shame the experts because they're basically saying, okay, well, well clearly I'm able to figure this out more than you are. And, and it's kind of like the red pill thing, right? Like, we all want to take the red pill, quote unquote, like we want to feel like we're smarter than other people. And this effect can make people vulnerable to this idea that, okay, well, I actually, I know more than all of you. So like, I'm not going to listen to you. So now you have individuals that aren't listening to the experts and actually have studied the field vigorously. People that are making up their own premises and conclusions with a faulty foundation basically they're making conclusions with faulty premises and they're just they're not going down the right path when it comes to a scientific approach to the topic and, and you see this with a lot of different things i'm using quantum physics as one example but you could see this in, in a number of different disciplines most notably with the covid 19 pandemic which is something i'll get into in in the last study that i'll be going over today but essentially that is the Dunning-Kruger effect in a nutshell. It's within metacognition and it's really looking at, okay, how does one's metacognition change over time within a certain field or, you know, a, on a topic given how much experience they actually have with it, how much do they actually know? So a few notable things I want to highlight from the study that are interesting is small amounts of experience lead to a quote unquote overconfidence beginner's bubble. This applies to, as I mentioned, any topic. You initially learn a little bit about topic and, and your confidence levels skyrocket, then they kind of plateau and then they start to gradually rise with more realistic expectations and understand what you actually don't know. What really is driving this beginner's bubble is that people don't know simply what they don't know. And the road ahead, along with its obstacles, is very unclear to these individuals. This can be dangerous and lead to risk-taking that is unnecessary. As I alluded to in my previous example, is if you have a faulty premise based on limited knowledge about vaccines, that might lead you to making dangerous decisions to not get vaccinated, which could not only threaten your own life, but threaten other people's lives, depending on the circumstances. So it is a very dangerous mindset. Um, and you even see it a lot in conspiracy theories that 
that conspiracy theories tend to have this red pill thinking in which people who don't know a lot about a subject think they do know more than the experts in the field and they come up with wild theories and ideas about what's actually going on and it's very dangerous thinking that that can lead to inflicting harm on others whether intentional or unintentional so very good to keep that in mind because obviously you don't want to, <laughs> to be subjected to this it's not it's not healthy at all and it's not mentally stable for individuals also I wanted to mention that there's actually a really good graph I have seen with the Dunning-Kruger effect where it really does illustrate this principle of confidence skyrocketing then then leveling out and then gradually rising afterwards. It's obviously like at the very beginning, you don't know anything. So you have no knowledge, no experience, no confidence. It's all zero. Then you learn a little bit and you're like, oh, wow, like this is simpler than I thought. Then you learn a little bit more and it starts to plummet and you're like wow i actually am lost like i'm i i know less <laughs> than i thought i did and there's so much more unknown out there and then as you start to learn even more you start to gain that experience and in, in, in everything but you start to gain that confidence back because now you're learning those unknowns but it's not the confidence level doesn't rise as quickly as it did before because you have a good understanding of what you don't know and you know not to over inflate your own confidence because there is so much uncertainty and you can continue to gain knowledge and experience but even so you have a realistic assessment of where you're at with your knowledge given your experience and the number of trials that you've been through in this study i mean think back to grade school when we were all in like our first algebra class or our, or our first geometry class Think about chapter one. You learn about some of the fundamental concepts like proofs or equations. And at the very beginning, you know, this might not apply to everybody, but I'm just saying, think of an example like this or a class that you were in before where you learned the basic foundational concepts. You're like, wow, this is really simple. Like I I'm gonna rock this class. And then you get into chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. And by the midterm, you're like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what I got myself into here. Like now you start piling on additional layers, peeling back the onion, and, and you start to really understand what you don't understand. It's kind of like how astrophysicists tend to describe our universe, that the greater that our area of knowledge grows, so does the circumference of what we don't know. So it's that same principle that as we start to expand our horizons, we have more experiences, we learn more, we read more books, we read more chapters, we talk to more people, we do more studies, we learn more, but we also learn more of what we don't know. And the uncertainty level can grow as well, because seemingly there's infinite possibilities out there, right? In just about any field, like there's infinite possibilities of studies that could be conducted, stories to be written, books to be read planets to be discovered like all these things elements to be discovered like animals to be discovered like there's just so many possibilities out there and it's just really hard to like pin it down and say okay we know everything like like you're never going to meet an expert in any discipline or field that says we got this we know everything there is to know there's no innovation there's nothing happening even in the arts and music industry styles and fashions and attitudes are constantly shifting 
like no field is stagnant and it's meant to be that way. But that's my point is that the possibilities are boundless. So that's why as your knowledge grows, the area of your knowledge grows, the circumference of uncertainty also grows because there's just so much out there to learn. But when you're more experienced, you kind of can level set yourself and understand where you're sitting at a lot easier and, and understand that. Some other things I want to highlight in the study are that there were actually some financial literacy studies conducted in 2012 and 2015 around the Dunning-Kruger effect. This was done in an effort to try to support the Dunning-Kruger effect's existence. And each of these studies involved over 25,000 participants. So essentially, it was a survey of sorts in regards to financial knowledge and literacy. And both of these studies captured demographic data for each participant, including their age, gender identity, education, and income. Participants were then grouped into six different age groups. The different brackets of ages were 18 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, 45 to 54, 55 to 64, and 65 plus. So what the study really wanted to cover is actual versus perceived financial literacy. So essentially that is what we're looking at with the Dunning-Kruger effect as well is, okay, how much knowledge do you actually possess with this topic versus what your perceptions are of knowledge on this topic? Confidence and skill do not rise in tandem, as the study says. Confidence appears to outstrip learning in the early stages of adulthood, only for learning to catch up if it does at all slowly over more experience, which is what we've described before with the Stunning-Kruger effect. Controlling for actual financial literacy steeps, both the 2012 and 2015 studies showed the same pattern that I just described here. Again, confidence rises early on and outpaces skill only for confidence to come back down and then they slowly rise over time so you know skill does eventually catch up it just takes more experience overall and the confidence does get immediately inflated when you learn a little bit but then it comes back down to more realistic measures and then slowly grows with skill as expected so the fact that younger adults tend to think that they know more about financial concepts than they actually do is very fitting with the Dunning-Kruger effect, considering these are young adults that are being exposed to financial concepts like budgeting and making money and, and saving and all that stuff for the first time and paying bills like like all this stuff is very novel to them. So when they're first exposed to it, of course, they're going to think that, oh, yeah, I got this. Like, this is easy. Like, you know, this isn't really as bad as these older adults like my parents made it out to be, right? It couldn't possibly be that bad. Like, they, they get a little taste of this knowledge and these foundational concepts and they run with it. They feel really confident. Then time goes on and they start to hit some rough patches. They really get tested on their understanding of financial concepts and their financial literacy and the confidence starts to shrink, but their skill grows at the same time. As their skill grows, their confidence comes back down, but then they start to learn more and more, and their confidence starts to rise again, and it rebounds later in adulthood, which is, again, a pattern that's very evident of the Dunning-Kruger effect at play. Now, one limitation of the study I did want to highlight is that, of course, because we're surveying individuals at one point in time, 
for each of these studies, we're not getting a good understanding of how perceptions of financial literacy and actual financial literacy and knowledge change over time. If this study was conducted over a period of say 20, 40, or 60 years, we would get really strong comparative analyses across the spectrum of time, across the spectrum of individuals, because it's the same people we're tracking over adulthood to see, okay, we, we see the Dunning-Kruger effect illustrative at one point in time, you know, extrapolating over these different age groups, but if we run the clock forward, say we start with individuals in their 20s, their early 20s, and we follow them till they're in their 60s, and we measure their assessment of their own financial literacy and their actual financial literacy, how does that change? Does it still correlate to Dunning-Kruger? Does it show any variances to that pattern? That would be an interesting study, obviously a long-term study we'd have to look into at some point in the future. One of the things that I really like with this first study is that it does propose that boundary condition for the Dunning-Kruger effect, that beginner's bubble I mentioned. Individuals must pass some initial threshold before overconfidence is exuded. And this is simply explained, as I mentioned before, if you have a little bit of knowledge, you know, that's going to lead to that overconfidence. But if you have no knowledge, no one's going to be overconfident because they don't know anything. Like you at least have to have something tangible that you think like, okay, I understand this. So therefore I'm feeling very confident about the overall field, right? And for this beginner's bubble, the study does also postulate some future questions to be considered. So the first question for future research is probabilistic learning versus memory, and this has to deal with the underconfidence with practice concept. So what this essentially is saying is that this study really focused on the principle of recall with knowledge and certain abilities, kind of like what you would do on a vocab test, like memorizing the definitions and then reciting them on the quiz. It's, it's trying to shift more towards the probability that they have learned these abilities in, in a broader sense and varying those tasks rather than just looking at the memory and recall of very specific tasks. The next one is unknown task variations. So this has to do with some fields having more unknowns than others. So for instance, in the field of marine biology might have more unknowns rather than the field of geology. You know, I'm just throwing it out there, not saying that that's the case, but let's just say that certain fields have more unknowns than others. And that is also something that we'd have to consider, like with the concept of financial literacy. There are definitely concepts, scientific ones especially, where there is a lot more unknown out there and that has to be considered as well because because that does have an impact on the Dunning-Kruger effect and how it's exhibited. Next up is censored or contaminated feedback. So of course we want the most genuine and authentic feedback possible. So if that feedback in any way is being affected by anything in the study, that could obviously skew the results, you know, tracking to that Dunning-Kruger effect. So that's something that has to be considered in future research as well. Self-selection is another. This is looking at the ability of individuals to select the tasks that they will be assessed on with the Dunning-Kruger effect. As human beings, we tend to select tasks for ourselves that we believe that we will be good at, not ones that we necessarily are good at, but ones that we believe we would be good at. 
So self-selection is that concept saying, okay, if we're letting individuals pick these skills, how do they perform? How much overconfidence are they exhibiting by learning a little bit? And then how does that change over time with more experience versus assigning and prescribing tasks to individuals from the beginning? Also, the shape of the learning is the last question for future research, just looking at how the curve of learning can be different for different fields, kind of like how we talked about how some disciplines have more unknown and everything like that. The shape of the learning within a certain field could be a, at a different slope. Obviously, it will be a much steeper slope going into a field like physics or psychology rather than maybe another discipline. So that's something else to consider as well. So that study, again, like I said, it, it gave us a pretty good understanding of what the Dunning-Kruger effect is and a, a pretty solid foundation to work off of here. However, not everyone is convinced that the Dunning-Kruger effect is real. In fact, a lot of scholars believe that the Dunning-Kruger effect has a merely statistical explanation. And that's what I want to talk about with this next study, which is called Dunning-Kruger effect, a simple system-based explanation. So this study argues that the Dunning-Kruger effect can be explained as a simple system-based qualitative phenomenon. The foundation of the effect, of course, is that experts have greater knowledge and an increased capacity of self-evaluation than beginners. This argument is supported by valid statistical analysis. However, the Dunning-Kruger effect also postulates that experts tend to underestimate their own abilities, whereas beginners will do the opposite. This claim was supported by quote-unquote faulty statistical analysis. So essentially what we're seeing here is that this study is trying to make the claim that the claim made by the Dunning-Kruger effect that says beginners have higher levels of confidence, they overestimate their confidence, whereas experts underestimate their confidence, that this could simply be explained by a very foundational statistical concept known as linear regression or Bayesian interference. And this is trying to explain the Dunning-Kruger effect by saying that in statistics, the more observations that you have refines that estimate accuracy. And the dependence of the two variables is linear. So because beginners have very few trials and not a lot of experiences, that's why we see this pattern where people tend to overestimate their confidence, whereas as time goes on and there's more and more repetition, there's more observations, it tends to regress to the mean and it tends to go down to a more reasonable level because we have more observations. The study is, is explaining the Dunning-Kruger effect in the same fashion that we would a coin flip. We tend to regard the theoretical probability. Th think about probabilities for a second. We tend to think of the theoretical probability of flipping a coin as 50% heads and 50% tails. However, if I flipped a coin two times and it came up heads both times, I could run around and say, the probability of flipping this coin is 100% heads. I would never get tails. But if I flip that coin 98 more times, very likely I could see a split like 52% heads, 48% tails. And if I flipped it another 900 times, I would start to see the probability with an increased number of observations tending towards that theoretical probability. 
and that is this Bayesian principle, this linear reg regression principle that as we stack on more and more observations, we start to tend towards this real number. And that's what they're trying to do to explain away the Dunning-Kruger effect saying, well, it's just simply a statistical phenomenon. Like anytime you're gonna have more observations of something, you're gonna see the confidence levels more accurately reflected. So that that's how they try to explain away that we see more variance with the levels of confidence in beginners because there's not as many trials, whereas experts is more refined. However, the one thing that I, I don't think that this study explains that we can push back on is why in particular beginners at that threshold, just past that, that initial threshold at that beginner's bubble, why do they tend to have overconfidence? Why, why are we seeing respondents really posting underconfidence, right? We, we, we tend to see this overconfidence exhibited and it's been repeated in many trials, but Again, they're trying to explain away using the statistical phenomenon, but I want to counteract this study with another study that is actually somewhat of a response here and tries to disprove the fact that, okay, Dunning-Kruger is merely a statistical anomaly, like that this, or it, it's merely explained by this statistical concept that it actually is a psychological phenomenon that is very real. And this study is titled, A Rational Model of the Dunning-Kruger Effect Supports Insensitivity to Evidence in Low Performers. So, of course, as I mentioned, critics of the Dunning-Kruger Effect propose that the effect can be explained simply as a regression to the mean, which is fair given the evidence they presented in the fact that there is, there is I will admit, Steeps, when you look at the, the graph, of Dunning-Kruger and you compare that and you overlay it to a linear regression model or a Bayesian interference model, the lines are pretty close together. And that is why a lot of statisticians and scientists think that the Dunning-Kruger effect isn't real because simply put, it just appears to them as statistical noise. Like we're not, we're not really gaining any information here. We're just proving the fact that Bayesian interference exists and that as we add on more trials, it tends to refine our number. However, as difficult as it is to quantify psychological data in studies, which has been a huge Achilles heel to the overall Dunning-Kruger effect because it's just really hard to quantify something like this because it's all based on self-assessments and trials and things like that. But this study does postulate that the Dunning-Kruger effect can indeed have a psychological explanation rather than a statistical one. And this is because the study actually looked at a performance-dependent model versus this Bayesian interference model. Estimation self-evaluation is dependent on performance skill in this performance-dependent model, whereas Bayesian interference would suggest that estimation is independent of performance. One area where the original Dunning-Kruger effect study received a lot of pushback from scholars is the fact that the sample only comprised of college undergraduates at elite universities. However, this new study of the Dunning-Kruger effect, it took it a step further and it got a more realistic sample population utilizing Amazon's Mechanical Turk to capture wider ranges of both age and educational background. 
the sample did include 4,000 participants for both a grammar and logical reasoning study. As the study quotes, participants were paid $2 to participate in the grammar study or $3 to participate in the logical reasoning study. Another quote from this study says 85.4% of the grammar data simulations and 81.6% of the logical reasoning simulations resulted in favor of the Dunning-Kruger effect. The model assuming reduced sensitivity among low performers is a statistically better fit to the data than the model assuming simple Bayesian interference. So we've all heard of the line of best fit, right? Well, may, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But essentially what a line of best fit is saying is that we're looking at the data and we're seeing if we could overlay a pattern on top of this data. Which of these two models is best explaining the Dunning-Kruger effect? Because the Dunning-Kruger effect in of itself is a best fit line. We have a, a line traced out. We have a model hypothesis. We understand that a little bit of knowledge will show overconfidence after having no initial confidence. As you increase trials, confidence dips, and then it swings back up again. But we have these two other models that we're trying to compare it to. We're trying to compare it between this performance-dependent model, where someone's self-evaluation capacity is dependent on their skill, versus a simple Bayesian interference model, where we're just saying that these two variables are independent, and because we have more trials, we tend to see that level of confidence refined to that different number. However, when they compare these two models to the line of best fit, the Dunning-Kruger effect beat out the Bayesian interference model. This Dunning-Kruger effect is better explained as a psychological phenomenon, which is great news for those who really propose that the Dunning-Kruger effect is real. Um, supporters of the Dunning-Kruger effect obviously are glad to see that this study is reinforcing that principle and is pushing back on this argument that the Dunning-Kruger effect is simply a statistical phenomenon, right? So great news. So overall, I would say this is great evidence to go in the direction that Dunning-Kruger is real, but again, I think that we should take this study with a grain of salt still because there's as I said at the top of the study, psychological data is just really hard to capture in a quantitative form for something like this. Like it's just, the Dunning-Kruger effect, while I'm impressed that multiple studies have corroborated these initial results, and we've seen this graph reinforced time and time again, and I think as we have more and more studies over time, it's just gonna continue to solidify these results and refine the model, However, I do want to say that by taking a scientific approach, we just we do need we do need to see more. We need to see more evidence. We need to see more studies done. I think I'd like to see really large sample sizes over longer periods of time, maybe including different disciplines and areas of study, because obviously the studies I've looked at today have covered topics like financial literacy, grammar, logical reasoning, but there's just so much out there that we could look into. And while I personally do believe that this is a true psychological phenomenon, I think that from a quantitative perspective, we have a good amount of evidence already. We just probably need to continue refining that and, and just really continuing to build on evidence that it does exist. So 
right now it's an idea it's a hypothesis right like we we think that we understand why beginners are so overconfident despite having little skills and why they tend to have their confidence decrease over time only to increase again as they grow and develop more skills this is a very strong hypothesis but it's not completely proven we we just we really need to continue refining this over time but there are again i think there is something to be said about just the the principle of the dunning-kruger effect in of itself i think it's a very it's it's a very sound hypothesis it's it's like I said, it's been corroborated already numerous times, only to be corroborated more in the future. My take is that while we don't have any idea of what the exact curve looks like for every field, for every situation, I think that there is something there. I think there is something to be said about people with limited knowledge overinflating their self confidence. And maybe we just also need to take more of a qualitative approach here rather than just quantitative, because again, it is hard to, to really get those self-assessments because people rate themselves differently because everybody has their own unique perspectives on their not only their own knowledge, but the scales. And there's just so many factors to consider. But all, when it's all said and done, I do think that, that there is something here with the Stunning-Kruger effect, whether it is as strong as it has been postulated or not, I do think that there is something to be said about beginners having overconfidence and limited knowledge. And I think that that actually goes into the last study here that I want to cover with you, Steeps, which is related to vaccine policy and misinformation. And another real-life application of the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is very relevant today, just recently outside of the COVID-19 pandemic that hit us for a few years. This study is titled Knowing Less But Presuming More, Dunning-Kruger Effects in the Endorsement of Anti-Vaccine Policy Attitudes. So this was a survey of 1,310 U.S. adults, and the self-reported overconfidence was measured with an examination of both the causes of autism and the support for rhetoric based on the suggested impact of vaccines on autism. The study, quote, modeled anti-vaccination policy support and attitudes toward the role that experts play in the policymaking process as a function of overconfidence and the autism awareness indicators while controlling for potential confounding factors. The findings here in the study demonstrate that over a third of respondents to the survey believe that they have more knowledge of the causes of autism than doctors, 36%, and scientists, 34%. Wow. This study clearly illustrates that overconfidence is the greatest in individuals with the least actual knowledge of the causes of autism. These individuals simultaneously reject mandatory vaccination policies and have the greatest levels of anti-vax misinformation endorsement. Less informed respondents believed that non-experts, for example, celebrities, should play a greater role in the policy-making process. Simply put, the Dunning-Kruger effect can absolutely be used to explain anti-vaccine beliefs in the populace. I mean, even before the COVID-19 pandemic and everything like that, there was a pretty strong 
albeit rather niche, anti-vax movement, especially in the United States, but in most parts of the developed world. And this anti-vax movement was led by people who didn't know what they were talking about. It was led by celebrities, concerned parents who didn't have any knowledge or background in the causes of autism or vaccines or any healthcare background for that matter. And what you saw was these uneducated, unskilled individuals exhibiting high levels of confidence that they do know how these vaccines are made. They do know what's in them and that they're dangerous. And they do understand the causes of autism and why that is somehow related to children being administered vaccines. And as crazy as it sounds, I think that the Dunning-Kruger effect is a perfect explanation for this phenomenon because what happens in these cases is that a parent will take their child, maybe one to two years old, get them a vaccine, like one of those mandatory rubella vaccines, MMR or something of that nature, and then their kid will develop autism. And in society, we tend to have this bias towards cause and effect in a way that we think that correlation implies causation when that is absolutely not the case. And what happens is that they see, oh my goodness, like my child developed autism after getting this vaccine. Hmm, there must be a link there. They start to do research. They, they do their research, quote unquote, as, as people will say sometimes. And what they find is groupthink. They see confirmation bias. They, they read into these studies that are put out by people who aren't exactly credible in this space and have a very limited knowledge and very limited scope of resources. And these are, once again, cherry-picked statistics that are implying that the correlation implies is causation, and that because kids are getting a vaccine, that it's leading to autism or some other ill effects that are not really like corroborated by actual science. And what happens is that this noise, this information gets propagated out through society like big waves and impressionable people with limited knowledge take that and they apply it to their own knowledge base. And because they have belief in these studies, in, in, in these ideas that aren't supported by science whatsoever and have faulty premises, they draw faulty conclusions and they have inflated self-confidence that they understand everything that goes into this topic. Just because their foundation, their premises are faulty, they're based on mistruths, they're based on not actual science, they're they, they contradict everything that the experts and scientists have to say, despite having numerous, numerous trials in the space and many experiences, way more knowledge than you could even comprehend. And the same thing applied to the COVID-19 pandemic. You saw scientists and doctors basically being walked over for their support of the COVID-19 vaccine, which time and time again, you know, had been shown to be safe for the general populace. I mean, every vaccine carries some kind of reaction to a small portion of individuals. And, and everything that we do in life does carry some kind of risk. 
there's never going to be one product or service or any substance that will have the same effect for everybody that will always have a positive effect some people generally just don't react good to certain things and that is well documented but again because we have these cherry-picked examples we have people that have limited knowledge that just they develop this overinflated sense of confidence that they actually know what is going on when they really don't and i think that that's really important from a sociological standpoint because we do live in the age of information the age of the internet everybody has all kinds of information good and bad at their fingertips and we just need to be really careful as illustrated throughout this episode if we look in the wrong places and we don't ask the right questions and we don't continue to dig deeper and learn more from the people who've been there before and explore the world for ourselves, we can fall into these misinformation traps and we can fall right in line, the line of best fit with the Dunning-Kruger effect. And therein is nothing more than simply confidence in ignorance. Thanks for listening about Confidence in Ignorance. Check out the description of this episode for the resources I referenced on this topic. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please subscribe for the latest freshly brewed content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.